0: You see uh, Chuck Colson's photograph on the screen, and I know people at different ages in the congregation this morning will have different thoughts and memories, but when you hear the name Chuck Colson, what comes to mind? Just tell me. What comes to mind? Watergate Prison Fellowship International Ministry. Watergate. What else comes to mind when you hear the name Chuck Colson? Hmm? you got to be louder than that. Change? as you know, he was uh, he was uh, <clears throat> on staff with president nixon and and uh, got caught up in the Watergate scandal and uh, spent uh, time in prison. But he also became a follower of Christ and started the prison fellowship ministry, written wrote more than uh, thirty books. And some of you listened to his daily radio broadcast that he had for a number of years on. On about 1,400 radio stations, Breakpoint. Any of you ever listened to Breakpoint? And so, you know, he, you talk about living a life that was filled with a lot of different experiences. But let me tell you a couple things about Chuck Colson you may not know. He was the first person in his family to go to college. And he was one of three partners in a very successful law firm that made him a millionaire. And because of that, he developed relationships with some very influential and powerful people and moved over into politics and, as you know, was the legal counsel to President Nixon for four years in the early 70s, and he was one who helped Nixon win his landslide re-election to the presidency in 1972 it was after that election and before the Watergate scandal broke that he was sitting in his office one day just feeling miserable. Wasn't happy. His office was adjacent to the president's office. I mean, you don't get closer to power than that. And he was sitting in his office thinking and asking himself all these questions he had never contemplated before. And he was just miserable. He was unsatisfied. He was unhappy. And A few weeks later, when the Watergate scandal broke, he visited a friend named Tom who lived in Boston that he hadn't seen in four or five years. And Tom was a successful businessman as well, and they were sitting in his office talking, and uh, Coulson noticed that there was something different about Tom. He just wasn't the same as he'd always been. And so he commented on it. Tom informed Chuck Colson that he had accepted Jesus Christ as his savior and committed his life to the Lord. And what's interesting, this was the very first time Chuck Colson had ever heard anyone use that language. And because he was an intelligent guy, he spent the next 3 months very passionately investigating That statement, accepting Jesus as Savior and committing your life to Jesus as Lord. And he investigated it. And after about three or four months, he visited Tom and was having dinner with him in his home. They talked that evening. And afterward, Colson went outside, got in his car, pulled out of the driveway, started to drive. He had to pull over. Couldn't see. He was crying so hard. I mean, the tears were blinding him. And sitting there on the side of the highway, sobbing like a baby, Chuck Colson gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And he experienced a radical transformation. My question to you is this When was the last time you were so touched by Jesus Christ? The last time you were so moved by God in your life, you shed a tear. When was the last time you were worshiping Jesus, reading Scripture, serving Jesus, and it's like God just grabbed your heart and with his loving, powerful hand squeezed it, and the only response was moisture in your eye. something profound happening in your heart and in your soul. when you read the Gospels you'll discover very quickly that there were people around Jesus who cried. you remember he was having dinner one evening at a at the home of a, a Pharisee and while He was reclining at table, and in in that day, a, a public dinner was open to anyone to come in and observe. They couldn't eat, but they could observe it. And while they were eating at the table, and his feet, as you would know, was pointed away from the table because they would lay on the floor and eat, this woman who was in all likelihood a prostitute came in, began pouring perfume on his feet, and she was weeping. And with the perfume and her tears, she was washing his feet, taking her hair and drying them. When was the last time you were so close to Christ and so moved and so touched by Jesus, your heart responded with a tear? It's the power of forgiveness. The power of knowing that you're a lost sinner and that Jesus loves you and has forgiven you and changed you and the only response is a loving tear. You remember Jesus was taking the last supper with his disciples. Peter, you're going to deny me. No, I won't. Even if I have to die, I'll never deny you. Yes, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows uh, twice. And then later, when Jesus is on trial, three times Peter cusses. Three times Peter denies Jesus and says, I don't know him. And the gospel tells us Jesus looked at him. Their eyes met when that rooster crowed the second time. And Peter, the scripture says, went out and he wept. Bitterly. It's the power of conviction. It's the power of guilt that doesn't try to whitewash sin but says, I have blown it. I have sinned and the Holy Spirit of God is convicting me. And the only response from a repentant heart is to shed a tear. Jesus is carrying the cross through the crowded streets of Jerusalem on the way to Calvary. Having already been beaten by the Roman soldiers and spit on by the Jewish religious officials, and as he carries the cross beam through the streets, there are women who are weeping and wailing. It's the power of suffering. It's the power of his sacrifice to die on the cross for us. That first Easter morning, some women were the first to make their way to the tomb and see that the stone had been rolled away. And among them was Mary Magdalene, who had been transformed by the love of Christ. And the Bible says she's standing outside the tomb looking in, and she's weeping. It's the power of that unexpected moment, that unexpected experience, that unexpected event when God reaches down from heaven and does something on earth that touches you and your heart can only respond with a tear. When was the last time you were so moved by the Lord you shed a tear? I remember sitting over here at our Christmas Eve service earlier this week. We were singing those carols, especially the last one, Silent Night, and hundreds of people standing with those candles lighted. And and I can remember looking out and seeing some individuals with tears running down their cheeks because in that moment, that moment, God had unexpectedly touched their heart. And the only response was to show it, not hide it. And again, I asked, when was the last time you were so touched by Jesus Christ you shed a tear? See, tears are a part of our emotional makeup. That's especially true for the beautiful women in our midst today, right? You do know that science has shown that women are five times more likely to cry than men. We know that. Yes, there are exceptions, but we know that. But men do cry. It's a way for the body to release what we feel. It's natural. And to always force them down and, and to not let our emotions exist and be real is unnatural. Sometimes tears speak to deep love. Sometimes they speak to compassion when we see someone in need and hurting. Sometimes they speak to sadness and loss. Sometimes they speak to such a happiness. And this week, I've seen a lot of tears. We had three deaths in our church family. I preached at two funerals. And those tears would not have been there without love. Sometimes love shows itself in tears. And you and I as followers of Christ are supposed to what? Love him. Look at these verses on the screen. Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, but you are to do what? What's the word? Love. We sometimes forget that being a follower of Christ is not about just a certain lifestyle, a certain belief system, a certain religious affiliation, a certain religious activity, a certain church membership, but that following Jesus Christ is a relationship. Relationship of faith and trust. I mean, you can't have a great marriage without trust and faith in each other, can you? A relationship of love and emotion and heart. that's part of my love for my wife and her love for me and the love you have for those in your family and they have for you it's also part of our relationship with Christ it's a relationship of love and heart and we feel and there are times we show it there's a reason he said love the Lord your God with all your heart not just your mind with your soul How many of you have ever said to a woman or a man, I love you with everything I am. I love you with all my heart. I love you with my total being. And When have you said that to God? John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We show our love for him by how we live, by our obedience. We show our love for one another by how we treat each other. But again, it comes back to that four-letter word, L-O-V-E. I love you, Lord. We, we sang it a moment ago, didn't we? Is it just words or is it something more? Matthew 10, 37, Jesus said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not Worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, I love my babies. (laughs) I love my kids. I love those grandbabies. And what Jesus is saying, that's great. You should love me the same way. Love me. Even more, it's about that four-letter word, L-O-V-E, love, love, love. Do you love Jesus? And when was the last time your love for him was so real in that moment you showed it by shedding a tear? Peter had denied Jesus three times, gone out, wept bitterly, and then following the resurrection of Jesus, they had a conversation, and three times Jesus looked Peter in the eye and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. When Jesus asked the third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, "Lord, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Does Jesus Christ know you love him? Do you love him? Or has your relationship with our Lord become so mundane, so familiar, so dry, so religious that you no longer feel much of anything? For some of us, perhaps the greatest need in our lives is to have a fresh love for Jesus, fill our souls, to fall in love with him again, if you will, to be renewed and revived in our love for him. I have plans for my life. I have a life, a written life plan. I've entered a a new executive coaching relationship with someone because I want to be the best me I can be. Many of you have plans for your life. You have dreams. You have goals. We have plans as a church family, Vision 21. We know our priorities for the next three years of growing disciples and strengthening families and so on. And, and up there on the walls, the banner, what we're about, loving God, loving people. making it. We, we, we have plans. We've talked a lot in recent weeks about family ministry and things we're implementing. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, in my life, none of those plans matter if I don't love Jesus. In your life, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, none of your plans, none of your goals matter if you don't love Jesus Christ. As a church family, Vision 21 or any other plan that anyone came up with would not matter if we as a family of faith don't love Jesus Christ. I'm always moved and confronted by the story in John's Gospel, chapter 6, if you have your Bible. I want us to read it and let it speak to us today. Beginning at verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? It wasn't that they did not understand what Jesus had been teaching. They understood it. They just didn't like it. Anything ever happened in your life you didn't like? How did you respond? What did you allow it to do to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Verse 61, but Jesus conscious that his disciples, and these are learners, followers, a a large group, not just the 12, but but hundreds of people who were following him and listening to him. Jesus conscious that they grumbled at this, so he's aware. You, You do know that no matter what you do here on Sunday, Jesus knows the real you. None of us can hide anything from him. He said to them at the end of verse 61, Does this cause you to stumble? And he goes on to teach them a little bit, say a few things to them. And drop down to verse 66. As a result of this, many, not all, but many of them, many of his followers, his disciples, his students, withdrew. We're not walking with him anymore. They they were hip to Jesus until something happened they didn't like. They, They were fine with being a follower of Jesus until he said something they didn't agree with. And they left. And there's this very powerful moment in verse 67 when Jesus turns to the 12 and says you do not want to go away also, do you? He turns to the 12 and he says, do you want to go with them? Are you going to leave me as well? And Peter, speaking for the the 12, answered in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, a lot of times in life, we don't pick up and run away. We don't, we don't pick up and just abandon Jesus, we just allow our relationship with Him to become mundane. and dry, and routine, without heart, without emotion, without passion, without tears. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said he wants us to be hot, and he'd rather us be hot than lukewarm. In fact, he'd rather us be cold than lukewarm. When was the last time you were so moved by God? Your heart, your heart responded with a tear. Where, where am I going with this, Steve? You see that that name on the screen? That's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. It's about Him. I want that to be our word in 2019. I want you to say Jesus' name out loud every day in 2019. I want you to become so in love with him and so familiar with him, it's as normal for you to say the name Jesus in your daily life as it is for me to say Monisa, who's my wife. I'm convinced there are there are days upon days upon days when we don't say his name I'm convinced there are Sundays we show up at church and never use his name never say his name never speak his name now i want to challenge each of us this coming year to learn to love him so much, we just talk about him. We say his name every day and and, and we celebrate his name every Lord's Day. I'm going to ask us to memorize one Bible verse a month as a church family that focuses on Jesus Christ. And in January, the verse is going to be the one that's now on the screen, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Are you ready to get started and practice? I want you to stand up. Go ahead. Stand up right now. Some of you are saying, I can't memorize it. Well, that's why I'm only giving you one verse a month. You can do that. And each of these verses will have his name in them. And I'll tell you something. If you practice, if you work every day memorizing these verses and reflecting on them and praying on them, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is going to speak to your heart. Say it with me. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's say it again. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and you can be seated. Now, jot that down and work on memorizing that verse this month. We're going to quote it Every Sunday. One thing God put on my heart a few months ago. I've never done this before. Every sermon I preach in 2019. Don't know what that was. (laughs) Well, sweetheart, together maybe we'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, Here's what God put on my heart. Every sermon I preach next year is going to come from a passage of Scripture, no matter the topic, no matter the subject, that talks about Jesus Christ. He's already given me the passages through June, every single sermon. We're going to talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're going to try to do some things, a little bit outside the box, maybe to help you fall in love with him again. Worship him this morning. You have an envelope. I'm going to ask you to write a letter to Jesus Christ. And don't don't do it yet. Just be thinking about it. But I'm going to ask you to write a quick letter to Jesus Christ this morning. So be thinking about that. Be praying about that. Here's what I want us to do right now. I want you to stand and we're going to pray. And then we're going to worship at the altar. Have some music. We're going to write our letter, and I'll give you some instructions about it for that letter. I want you to be thinking about what do you want to say to Jesus? Doesn't have to be a long letter, two, three, four sentences? What do you want Jesus to teach you in 2019? What do you want him to do in your heart and in your life this coming year? Just, just pour your heart out to him in two or three sentences. We'll help you with that in just a moment. But I want us to pray, so would you join hands with the people beside you. Go ahead, stretch across the aisles, join hands with everyone. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I want everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me out loud. We're going to go through some, some phrases, so just pray with me out loud. Are you ready? Pray this. And we're talking about our church to start with, okay, our church family. Jesus, touch our hearts today. Pray it out loud, church. Jesus touch our hearts today. Jesus touch our hearts this coming year. Jesus move in our lives in a fresh way. Jesus teach us to love you more. Jesus Teach us to speak your name. Now it's going to get a little more personal. Jesus, touch my heart today. Jesus, touch my heart this new year. Jesus, moving my life in a fresh way. Jesus, teach me to love you more. Jesus, teach me to speak your name out loud. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Now we're going to sing and the altar is open for you to get on your knees before the Lord and just talk to him about anything, anything. Because he's talking to you. Come and pray and seek the Lord right now. Pastors will be here. You can join First Baptist Church. You can request baptism. Most importantly, if you're not following Jesus, today can be the day you start following Him. It can be the day you give your life to Jesus and become a a follower, just like Chuck Colson, pulled over to the side of the road and through tears, accepted Christ as his Lord and committed his life to Jesus and was changed and, and did a lot of good in the decades that followed. This could be the day you become a new you. So let's sing this hymn, and pastors are here at the front, and you come, make your decision for the Lord right now, and then we'll continue worshiping. Come on, quickly, while we sing.